Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Oteil Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out MagicalMysteryCamp.com slash HelpingFriendly to learn more. Osiris. All right. Our makeup is set. Mm-hmm. Our hair is all ready. There are no Tide Pods and sus out there. To the moms who gave birth to the four members of Fish, the moms who gave birth to all these Fish fans, and to all of the moms who are Fish fans themselves. You juggle life, you juggle careers, you juggle going to see Fish shows. It's an amazing thing, and we are forever indebted to all of the moms out there, including our very own 
mother of the pod. I don't know. You're not. You're not the mom. God, I, I don't think. You I, I don't, don't want right. to do that. I, I, that was, I stumbled that into a really bad way, so I apologize. But like our resident mom on HF Pod, there's no there good go. way to say this. No, I think that was best. Uh, is that better? An That's absolutely better. amazing mom, Megan. How are you doing? How was your Mother's Day? Thanks, Brian. That was quite an intro. Thank you, Mom, says quite, Pat. Quite, quite an intro. An intro. <laughs> I'm doing quite great. an intro. I had a great Mother's Day. I got to do some planting, be outside. People made me quiche. They made me delicious dinner. It was it was great. Everyone was super sweet. Had some thoughtful gifts. It was a really nice day. So I'm great. I'm doing good. It's Monday. I get to talk to you too. My favorite time of the week. So I'm happy. Sweet. This is it. This is it. We are we are so thankful for you. You've been on HF Pod for like basically six months at this point in time. Wow, that's and crazy. It's been it's been a total joy. We've been we've been doing this. We were doing this weekly. Well, no, we started doing this twice a week, and then we were doing mm-hmm. it weekly, and now we're doing it twice a week. And it's been so much fun to spend time with you, dive into fish, into so many so many nuances of this band. And uh, it's been excellent. And we're going to do it again here today because we are talking about, I can't believe it, but we've reached the end of the spring 93 tour. And some would argue we should probably be talking about this show this time next year. But you know what? We're just going to zag and we're going to talk about it here on the 24th anniversary. We will absolutely be doing a deep dive into spring 93 from a 25th anniversary perspective throughout the spring of next year, but we just had to talk about this show and maybe we'll talk about it again. Cause this show, this show, can I say this, this show, this nah, show, nah, oh, <laughs> we'll, we'll save it for the actual content. It's a really good show, right? It's a good show. It's an awesome it's show. show. Yeah. That's the last thing I'm going to say about it until we actually get into the show. This is the pre-show segment right here. Um, let's see, we got mother's day. We covered, Potential thoughts about the show. What else? Oh, Osiris Media on Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe. We put out a bonus episode last week where we talked about our favorite encores, which was a lot of fun. We dove into our favorite encores. Jonathan, you were not able to be in attendance. Do you have a favorite encore that you have seen from Fish? Oh, yeah. Tell us. Uh, gosh, I don't know. That I've seen, I see that would require me paying attention and doing research or thinking carefully. I would just say that I always love a sleeping monkey page and I both, it's one of our, it's our favorite song that we share. No, um, but I do really always love a sleeping monkey, especially like a sleeping monkey, uh, tweezer reprise. Um, but I also partially because I know it pisses off a bunch of people love a Rocky top. So, um, you know, I, 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 it doesn't matter to me most of the time what they encore with. I I just I'm staying until the lights are on, and it's all a fish show. Like I think encore is kind of a weird thing because we know it's going to happen. Um, planned encores are kind of odd. I kind of respect Jerry Garcia band. Jerry Jerry would not do encores. He would just play a show, two sets. All right, thank you. He's out. Good luck getting him out for an encore. But if he did, it would have been special. Actually, it is my r- favorite encore is the second encore, the double, you know, when they come mm. back out. So we got mm. that in Hampton. And was that 18? Very um, rare. There you go. Yes, because that's rare. the unplanned one. Yeah. That's really special. They're all good. 
No bad ones, except for the bad ones, but uh, those are the good ones. So you're okay if they play rock, just Rocky Top? Sure, not why rock, not? Anything else? Okay. I mean, presumably, I just saw two fish, two sets of fish. So mm-hmm. what? If they want to throw out a Rocky Top, okay, cool. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> I saw the War on Drugs back in February, and they did this thing towards the end of the set where. Adam just kind of started strumming some chords and you could hear he was going into the next song. I think it was eyes of the wind. And he was like, we got about three more songs. We're not going to do that thing where we walk off stage and then you clap a little bit and we come back on stage and we all pretend he was like, we got to get to St. Louis or uh, not St. Louis. We got to get to Salt Lake city uh, by tomorrow morning. So we're not going to do an encore for you. So just imagine we've walked off stage. We just came back on stage and this is the encore. And it was Everybody a great like recognition. Wild, right? Everybody goes crazy right there because it's an oddity in a show. It is an interesting thing that like it's become just this expected. We're going to walk off stage. People don't even clap anymore. They just kind of like just sit like, down. Wait. I was like, oh, yay. That was a good song. They'll be back. <laughs> but it's really cool. <laughs> it's so sad when the set ends. So at least you have that last little piece. That like One more thing. Yeah, that one more. It's like that last bite, you know, that you save for yourself. That's like the perfect bite. At that's least, the encore. At least like when the dead perfect would like bite. close, would not fade away. We do the clapping thing, you know, mm-hmm. and that was trite and cheesy, but fun. And we did that. But, but you knew they were coming. You knew they were coming. There's a really good video of them doing that in Madison Square Garden. I think it was used for the um, whatever the ten part Amazon series was on mm-hmm. Dead. and it just like it symbolizes how big an arena rock the Grateful Dead were in the '80s and '90s in in the coolest way possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's cheesy as all hell, but it's also like so is you know playing in front of a bunch bands. of lights. We and, did like, that. It's not the that. band that did that. We did that. Right. We're our cool. love. Will not fade away, even wow. through this highly expected five-minute encore break. But at the risk of giving away the entire premium episode, um, I agree with you. A Sleepy Monkey encore, very, very special yeah. thing. I, I remember getting that at the Meriwether Post Show that uh, we saw back in 2015, and it just caps off an incredible night of fish. And you're like, here we are, singing about monkeys on a train, some organs, some let it be teases, John Fishman saying some stuff ridiculous. Like this is it. If you don't get it at this point, you're never going to get it. I don't know what to tell you. Well, that um, song means they're happy too. That's like, I think they play yeah. that one. Happy. Yeah. I, think so I mean, too. you get a little guitar solo with that too. It's a weird ass song. Every, what could be more fish than seeing sleeping monkey? Nothing. Not much. I mean, there's about 50 songs that we could say. What could be more fish than fill in the blank? Uh, yeah. uh, you enjoy myself encore would probably be more fish. That's but it. That's it. That's so. Like we said, please subscribe to Osiris Beat on Apple Podcast. This is a great way to support the show and a great way to hear fun additional content as well as ad free content. Which, speaking of, we have a couple of sponsors that we want to tell you about, as we always do. Do we now? Sunset Lake CBD's line of smokable hemp products are for the old deadhead. Hi. Or young fish fan searching for a mellow body high. Smoking CBD has all the benefits of high THC cannabis without the paranoid and anxious side effects. With nine different strains from this year's harvest, there is something for everyone. The Hawaiian Haze is awesome for an outdoor show. 
The cherry abacus is best for the end of the night. All the flour is grown, cured, and trimmed by Sunset Lake CBD farmers. Even better, Sunset Lake CBD's farm-to-table approach gets you a great pricing on premium CBD flour by shipping directly from their farm to your door. Uh, and I just, I just got a whole box of it just the other day and, uh, you know, it came just in a few days. I got a whole array and, uh, it's outstanding. You know, the, the, uh, smoke one of those pre-rolls and there's just a point, uh, just a little way into it where suddenly you're like, huh, but then you're not, you're not high. You're not, no, it's the best paranoid, you know, you're able to just go back and do the things you need to do while still feeling relieved. I don't know. That's a word I'm going to use. I think that's a real word. So uh, check them out today at sunsetleakcbd.com. Use coupon code HFPOD for 20% off all products. That's Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. Truly relieved. That's the way to put it. Yeah. You're never, you're never crazy. You're just relieved. It's good. Something that you have to imagine the band felt a little bit walking off stage on um, May 8th, 1993. Relieved. They'd been on the road for, I think it was 71 shows. So basically just over three months. That was Trey's guess. <laughs> that was Trey's guess. I, I'm going off of Trey's guess. I didn't. Yeah, let's go with that. Show. That way we don't have to do math. Yeah, we don't have to do math at this point in time. Um, this tour, I believe, is the longest fish tour in fish history. Maybe Fall wow. 95 is longer. Um, this goes from February 2nd, 1993, where the band debuts a cover that will become one of their most reliable covers, Loving Cup, as well as by way of debuting Paige's Baby Grand Piano, a instrument that will forever change the sound of fish, forever change the perception in a lot of ways of fish. Um, that Baby Grand just like adds a, it's just like a regal aspect to the band that that you, you don't necessarily expect from a, you know, just a little jam band type of thing. Um, I feel like not since, Keith Godchow in the seventies had you had a jam band really like showcase a grand piano in this sort of manner. And that changes the way that they sound going into the spring tour that showcases through February, March and April, a band willing to experiment in ways that they hadn't before picking up in ways on threads that we talk about in our 1992 episodes. And it all kind of weaves to this finale where the band plays Durham, New Hampshire, just down the road from Burlington, just down the road from where they were founded some 10 years earlier. And they play a show for the ages and a show that like in so many ways summarizes what they've been working towards since early 1992, I would argue, mm-hmm. but also showcases where they're going. Um, Megan, starting with you, what, what are your thoughts on this? Five eight ninety three show and like where we find ourselves in fish history. I think when you look at nineteen ninety two, and we've been talking a lot about it, which has been really fun. It's so tight and structured, and 
by August 1993, they're really like exploring a lot and kind of getting into this like psychedelic jazz space. And I think this show really struck out stuck out to me because I felt like you could hear the space. There's like patience in a lot of the playing that I don't hear in 1992. There's um, just a willingness to be a little bit it's not looser. It's just more patient. And I first start to hear it, especially in the first set in this mound, there's just a little bit more kind of availability to each other in it. And it's just, and then it just completely goes in deep when they really start to hit stash. But I think it's really great to hear them play this super high energy set, but then they're also like really listening to each other and stretching it out in a way that sounds new to me and really patient. That's just the word I kept coming back to. Like they're really more patient than I have heard them. I think that's apt. Um, I want to shout out to Bruce Hornsby for having a grand piano on stage with the Grateful Dead in uh, the very early 90s when he was uh, Thank you. filling in some space and bridging the gaps uh, as Vince got up to speed but um yeah i think i think megan you really hit upon it this show has the tightness and just ferocity of the spring 93 it has that slightly expanded sound that the piano brings but it also has a playfulness and i think it's kind of a release because it's the final show i think they're really like you know Here's the bonus. Here's the treat. Here's the thing. Let's just, what, what are they going to do now? Let us play tomorrow. You know, let's just, <laughs> let's just go for it. And, um, and it really like, at the same time, it also, you know, it's culmination of all of these energies and these, you know, ideas and little tiny things that maybe they didn't explore at length in earlier in the tour. And they kind of let them give them a little bit more legs. Um, and it, it Man, it pays off. It's just a really, just a great ripping show. It also like that, that idea of um, this looseness that that you're talking about, because there is no show tomorrow. There's no shows until uh, July 15th. They basically got two months off at this point in time. They are not recording an album. You've got to imagine that they're writing the songs for hoist at this point in time, but they will not be going into the studio until the fall. So it feels in a lot of cases for the first time since the mid 1980s, the late 1980s that they're actually going to get a break. Right. You know, they've been on tour, uh, you look at 90 and 90, 89 through 91, they're basically on tour for the entire year. Uh, 1992, they do this massive spring tour. They go overseas in the summertime, plus play some shows back at home, opening for Santana. Um, they do a pretty big tour in the late uh, part of 1992, but that fall they were recording Rift. They do that uh, New Year's run and they go back on tour at the start of February and they do this February through early May tour. It's really just like for four years, it's just no holds bars. We're going forward. And, you know, people don't typically think of 1993 fish of letting up the gas, but by this point, you know, to have the infrastructure in place to tour with a baby grand piano it's, it's just such a symbol of where the band is at right now. The crew is expanding, this tray will say. The rigs are expanding. The production is expanding. They're about to tour um, uh, amphitheaters throughout the summer, which they won't sell all of them out, but they're going to really test themselves with leveling up. And this is really the first time they're allowing themselves like a breath of fresh air. And you hear it in a show that has – 
basically a greatest hit show mashed with a June 1994. Anything can get played at any point and can come in and out of any other song. And that vibe is both something they've been working towards and also something completely new. Yeah, um, I, I'm glad that you mentioned the the summer and what they're going to do. You know, they played this extensive spring tour, which I have to imagine did pretty well to, for them to be able to book the small amphitheaters that they, yeah. they booked for the summer. And I got to imagine, I was thinking as I listened to this that, you know, Fish is, their whole thing is built around the fact that we want to come back, Right. There, fish, fish really only works because we keep coming back, right? Like if they were any other band, why would you go see them in the summer if you just saw them in the spring? Because mm-hmm. you know you're going to hear those eight, nine songs again, and you know they've they've built this thing up already at this point that they're like we're do we're going to do bigger, slightly bigger outdoor spaces, and we don't have to sell them all to. To, to to be successful um but i feel i have to feel i, I kind of feel like the the strength of these shows sold a bunch of tickets for the summer even if they didn't sell out all those little amphitheaters um yeah they're just building and building and building for themselves here and they're building their catalog too i mean they have put out three albums in three years at this point which is like to your point brian just absolutely so much work yeah and they're touring relentlessly so like they're not taking any time off and then they now have this catalog they have a lot of songs that they can choose from and I think that's something that you can see in a show like this where they're kind of going in between songs and just so much more flexibility with their set list which is really exciting yeah that's a really good point I mean they're just they're adding ideas to every single show and they're also they're not playing a straight set list. And it's something that just like needs to be emphasized over and over again with this band is like the set list structure of spring 93 is similar in some ways to the set list structure of spring 92, but you've got all these new songs that have been added. And at the same time, they're starting to write songs for hoist. And those songs are going to dominate the spring and summer of 94 and the fall of 1994. And while they're, debuting all of those songs and working those songs in the set list, the songs from Billy breathes are going to be written in the spring of 1995 and debuted in 1995 released in 1996. And at that point, they're going to reinvent their, their, their sound and they're going to play all the, write all these songs for story of the ghost. And it's just this onward cycle. And all the while they're not creating a, a rigid set list that says we need you to hear these songs at these times you're getting a show like this that showcases songs from five, 10 years ago and also songs from three months ago. It's pretty incredible if you think about it, like the fact that they're able to play songs that they're writing and continue to like reinvent old songs and let them breathe. I mean, that just, it takes a lot of dexterity. It's pretty crazy. They're a pretty cool band. They're kind of good. I don't know. It's weird. (laughs) I think we did it. That's it. All right. End of Thanks. show. We end of podcast. <laughs> Great show. So should we dive into the show? Do yes. we have any other table setting that we want to set here? I think it's been set. I think it's been set. Um, so this show begins with four songs 
that to my ears really serve as just like your perfect opening course to a show. You, you get the expansiveness that you talked about in Mound, but like really Choctaw, Gula, Rift, Mound, to me, it is extremely tight. It is like they are studio quality versions just dropped in front of a pain audience. And like what we've been talking about, it's such a shot. It's such a sign to me of how much time and energy is devoted to their songs at this point in time, which is what allows them to, as we move into the show, just like crack open these songs and find new ideas within them. But like, you don't get that without the tightness that they come out here oh, with. Yeah. Um, what do you, what do you guys thoughts about the opening here? I think you got it. I mean, they're super agile, super like tight and, you know, just bang, 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 just nail out those four, first four songs. And I mean, Rift is, um, it's kind of a monster shreddy like showcase for everybody. Everybody's got a lot of work to do. I'm just picking one of them. Right. And, and it it's intense and well-played Gula gets, it's, it's, that but also it's got this weird you know the middle bit and uh yeah these these guys are and then mound is just funky odd in the best way um yeah and then, yeah they did they just it's a great opener yeah so much energy i mean right out the gate they just sound like they've been waiting to get on stage for two hours like you know just chomping at the bit i mean they just come out flying right out and i feel like the first four songs, like you said, amazing. And Mound just really, to me, stuck out. It just sounded so, I don't know, just sounded really good. It's like a really good version. It just, there was moments that were like slower than I remembered it, it being usually. And just, I guess, such a nice balance after Rift, which is like you were saying, Jonathan, just so driving. It's just really nice to kind of land in this spot of Mound. I think that's like really great setless construction. Totally. It's really wild to me. So they open up with two songs off of Nectar and then two songs off of Rift. And they give you this, like these kind of throwbacks to where the band has been in the last two years. Listening to this show last night and this morning, it's so wild to me that Choctaw's Torture is now a jam vehicle because there is right. zero hint of it here. Like it is a, it is a show yeah. opener. It is a, Hey, totally. it's, here. it's freaking Johnny be good for fish. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So true. You know, it, it is just like, here, let's slam this out. This is rock. This is what we call rock and roll. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And now it's so something else sometimes. Right. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking about that. Like, this era you tell i was thinking about it at one point um i think i was webcasting the blossom 2015 show where they open up the second set with chalk dust it goes into a deep jam segues into tweezer uh similar to the msg version mm. from this last uh run but then tweezer segues into the lizards and i was just like tell any fish fan in 1993 that these three <laughs> songs are going to open the second set and it's going to be like a 40 minute segment and they're going to be just like blown away by it. like of course the tweezer went 35 minutes right no like it's just it's such a weird you know mix of fish history in in a way that you know you just would never have predicted. And at this point, Chalk Dust is the perfect opener. Yeah. So we, we move from there. Go ahead. I was going to say, can we talk about Stash, please? 
We've just been waiting the whole time. I'm just dancing around. It's the only reason I signed on today, guys. <laughs> um, no, that's not really true. Um, it's stashed, Jonathan, our though, resident stash freak. Is, what? I, I, it's just a dope, weird, good, intense stash. It has a lot of... Um, a lot in common with a spring 94 stash actually it's it's yeah. a little more it's not it doesn't quite have that kind of liquidish tone in Trey's guitar that you know really that he developed in the the following year um that's not a technical term um <laughs> but they uh they bend that and get dissonant and intense and it's a dozen minutes long before kung comes in wow which is like that's 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 a good and proper stash right there and then kung good weird kung and then let's finish stash god damn it this is so good like i listened to that three times today i'm telling you i listened to the whole show this today and i went back to stash twice um it's just on top of trying to catch up on billy strings from the weekend um just <laughs> so good so good. This this stash is a wild ride. It's just yeah. We were texting about it over the weekend. It's just off the rails, as as you were saying, Jonathan. It really does not stay on track in the best of ways. And the segues between Kung and back into stash and out are just absolutely perfect. I mean, it's just this is a beautiful stash. Perfect example of like what you always say, Jonathan. As goes stash, so goes the show. And I feel like this stash, they must have known. Like, okay, have I, have I said that? I, don't I feel like you said that. Okay. A couple of times. Only, only a couple. couple of times. <laughs> it's true, though. It's true. Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's not wrong. Yeah. There there was always a joke, like, in mid 3.0 that mid-first set, Trey and Mike would meet at the middle of the stage and kind of talk and laugh for, you know, what seemed like 90 seconds, and then they'd play Stash. You know, it, like, felt like they were, like, talking about, like... For joy. Or yeah, but but you know, like Sorry. felt like they were talking about like, hey, do we want to bust it out now, or do we want to wait until later? Hey, do we really want to showcase this? And then, but a but a but you know, it's like, of course, it's stash. It's the middle of the first set. Let's see like how tight <laughs> we're feeling at this point. Can we expand a little bit? And I think that there's like a definite. It's it's like Reba in that sense, where we're gonna play it in a purposeful way, but it also sets a total vibe. And mm -hmm. when they're really feeling it again, the MSG version that happened just a couple weeks ago, like they can just dive into the unknown. Um, Jonathan and I were texting back in late August when they were playing the uh, Shoreline shows and they mm -hmm. play that just brilliant version of Stash. And oh, it was yeah. just like the two of us going back and forth being like, oh my God, oh my God, holy <laughs> shit. Oh my God. You know, and like that's, it says, a, you know, it's like a picture says a thousand words. But, you know, I was thinking like, Stash has been outstanding all tour. The two songs, and they're featured in the show, mm -hmm. that have been monumental jam vehicles throughout the entire tour are Stash and A Week Pog Groove. And especially in March and early April, those two songs just like went completely off the map and showcase an abstract approach to jamming that the band is going to employ without reservations over the next two years and is going to teach them so much about trust and risk-taking mm -hmm. and you know what they what listening does for them and what does it mean to play like truly risky music in front of a paying audience and stash i'm not going to go through every single version i'll spare you all but there's like 
17 good there's like 17 jam chart versions from 1993 spring 93 alone of stash just to list a couple of my favorites uh 314 93 from gunnison 330 93 from eugene 43 93 from british columbia and 45 93 from seattle all incredible versions i would highly highly recommend listening to all of them and this feels, this is where you really start to get that tour finale feel where we're going to not only celebrate and like, you know, relish in the fact that we're off the road starting tomorrow, but also we're going to showcase the best parts of this previous tour and we're going to preview where we're going. And the stash, like you said, Jonathan, like it dips into darkness, emerges into Kung, and it's a clear sign of where we're going in August, which is a revered so many reasons a revered month in fish history and what the band where the band will become like where they're going to be come april of uh 1994 like we're, we're starting to hear the signs of where this band is going to be it's it's amazing stuff and this stash just it has it all it has it all it's a shame they botched the glide uh just that one note just ugh, could have been so much better <laughs> thank you yeah, sorry because that is a part of our ongoing series of fish flaws in otherwise great shows uh no it's a fucking good glide i'm just teasing it's a really well-placed glide yeah it is because like you've you know you've just been somewhere and then yeah you get a little breath and then of course glide is not that simple on the brain either glide is you know it's light but it's a little odd and uh yeah, yeah it's a lot it's odd okay it's a lot odd it really depends on, <laughs> really depends on your perspective like... some of us are already a little odd so... <laughs> that's just right yeah um it's interesting because glide was the t-shirts were based off of uh tide so this yeah. wraps back to our pre-show Cars. conversations yes just i had one of a... those somewhere you did it was it was box. one of my first like oh i know that brand and that song this is cool so I had the bouncing um, one that looked like the dryer one. sheets thing. I had that. Mm, That's mm, definitely mm, in the box mm-hmm. under the bed. I'll have to pull that out one of these days. Um, anyways. That could be a bonus episode where, Jonathan, you go and you show all of your T-shirts. All my old before. T-shirts. That would be so oh awesome. My Just wife me. would be so unhappy with me pulling those out. <laughs> I worked at a sandwich shop in college, and I came in wearing a McConnell's shirt with the McDonald's M. And they were like, you need uh, to go home and change your shirt and i was like it's not mcdonald's it's i'm talking about fish and they're like you need to go you get, no. like, wait you're a fish fan okay you really need to go home <laughs> you need to go um, in the shower too <laughs> <laughs> so we get glide we get a really beautiful my friend this was at a time when they were playing my friend my friend with the acoustic guitar open which i get why they don't do it anymore but like oh, just come on like that's 21st century it's okay it's easy to play an acoustic guitar on stage now again Mm -hmm. please this is this is true please um yeah and uh the ending was a little different right like during the the mife as they kind of transition towards and the get ready to go to reba it's a slight variation on the ending yeah definitely like it's a little spooky yeah. And it kind of fades mm-hmm. into Reba in a really cool way. And it's like one of those just little nuggets that like showcases, like we've been saying, I think Megan, you said at the top, like they're listening to each other and their patience, like they're willing to just let even just like an additional 15 seconds mm-hmm. breathe. 
And that 15 seconds matters because you're, you're not, and it's gotta be so hard to do that for a show that like, who knows how planned out a set list like this is at this point in time. Like this is a peak period where Trey's thinking mm-hmm. about set list evolution and set flow, but like, there's no way he could have planned stash Kung stash or like what happens in the second set when we get there. It's just these sure. little moments where you think, I mean, who knows? Maybe I don't think, um, but like it's these little moments where you get like, they're listening to each other and they're all just allowing a little bit of space. Mm-hmm. And that, that in and of itself is uh, it's, it's worth noting. We move then into Reba, which is a more subdued version of Reba, but my only comment on this was 1993 Reba's just like chef's kiss. It's just oh, gorgeous. Oh, it's so oh, good. It's gorgeous. Gorgeous. That was my note. Just gorgeous. It's just perfect. That's my note too. I'm kidding. I didn't write notes, <laughs> but it is lovely. I really enjoy this version. It's like sucker. <laughs> you knew better. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. It's wild that it's like, this might be the most like sneaky Reba that they've ever played in a show because it's bookended by the stash Kung stash and then everything that comes in set two. It's kind of just like Reba's just there and you forget that this song has just complete, complete power whenever it's played in a show. Yeah, this, this, this Reba came on again. So as I said, I listened to the stash a couple extra times and one of those extra times I let it play. And then suddenly I'm like, oh my God, I'm in this, oh, this, what is this? this is, oh, it's Reba. God, this is just amazing. It was just a beautiful space that I found myself in. I might've left the room for a minute and came back. I don't know what happened. Time slippery, beautiful Reba. Uh, it butters my biscuit. Thank you. Thank you. That <laughs> That's is, a really that great way to describe it. There you go. Because this isn't like, like I think about like 14 months in advance, 15 months in advance, 14 mm-hmm. months. I don't know. The June 6, 94 Reba is probably my favorite Reba that's ever been played. And that Reba just goes completely off the rails and is just like as experimental as you could almost imagine Reba ever getting. And this is getting us to that sort of point where the band is able to just take that jam segment of the song and just go wherever you're going to get a version in august 93 as well like that this is just like they're perfect they're experimenting within the jam but they're not changing too much because when you have a jam like reba why would you ever and and i i love the versions that you mess around with but like why would you you have this beautiful summary jam well you know i'm not one to cite things Yumphreys mcgee related things but joel cummins actually has been known to say on twitter to other people that most rebas don't jam it's really a composed guitar solo mm-hmm. um, or a solo over composed portion it, it's really at this point where they've really mastered how to play reba to its yeah. nth degree so that the next step is obviously to throw the doors wide open and leave the song mid song. Um, it's a great point, which, which they don't truly don't do. Haven't done that many times, uh, but they really, they really just, they, they've mastered it. They've got, they've got a full grasp of the song right here. Reba is in the category of songs for me that I could hear at every single fish show and be happy. Yeah, like, same. It's so that moment is just so transcendent always. 
when they do the nostalgia tour, it'll be it'll be in the set every every time. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the the entrance, like the intro, you're like, ah, I'm like, mm-hmm. we're here. We've got you know, it works like hood in that sort of manner. We're like the second you hear the wood blocks, the second you hear the bump, 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 like you just know this may not do anything that I haven't heard before, but for the next 14 minutes, I'm in a space that I'm very rarely in and I'm just, I'm just going to embrace it. Yeah. I may have heard all of these notes in this order, but I want to again. <laughs> yes, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's just, yeah. It's like suspended time when you're in that Reba bliss moment. It's perfect. Yeah. I'm right there. We are just going to keep repeating ourselves until we get to a peak and then we start whistling because this conversation about Reba is starting to feel like a Reba jam. So we should move into (laughs) Trey gives this very heartfelt and yet at the same time comedic shout out to the crew. Paige is playing charge behind him, but you get this like very clear almost reflective moment from the stage that is not really associated with early 1990s fish where you get this kind of recognition of, wow, we've been on the road for a long time. Our crew has expanded. We have these very core members who have been with us for years at this point in time, who were here with us when we were traveling around in vans, who are the reason why this show goes on. You know, one of the best things I want to pick my words nicely here. One of the, one of the best things that was said at Coventry was when Trey talks about their sound system and talks about people like Paul um, and how the band could not do, literally could not do what they do on stage without the guys running the sound, without the guys overseeing the monitors, that it's not just that these guys are expert musicians and expert at improvisation, but they have to be able to hear each other crystal clear in the moment to be able to respond and make the kind of music that they make that frankly we all expect them to make on a night-to-night basis which is why we pay all the money to go and see them and so to shout out these guys to shout out Corota, to shout out the people driving their van try or driving their buses at this point in time for all literally throwing whatever they were doing with their lives into this band however many years ago and getting everyone to this point where they're going to take a well-earned break and then go back out on the road for this just like career-defining tour in a lot of cases, it's a special thing. And it, I, listening to this, like it just it made this feel more like a not a tour finale, but like an era finale show for me in some cases. But it's the beginning of that era. It's another begin. It's a closing of one door, beginning of the other. I just like that he then calls out Paige to play Satin Doll. Which Hilarious. Tells everybody to take up a partner <laughs> and, and dance. and Beautiful. Little uh, Ellington, Strayhorn, Mercer. And this was the it. last Satin Doll to date. Mm-hmm. And this version that was played, it, would, it had been played as a bust out on April 12th, 1993, which was the first version in 418 shows. The last prior to that being February 25th, 1990. This was only the 18th of all time. And uh, mm. we talked about it, I think, last week. Just bring back the jazz, guys. No. Just give us some more jazz, you know? I'd be totally on board for that. I think they'd have to rehearse the jazz. Mm-hmm. And they know they it. Would. And I don't they think do. they want to. I think they want to do other stuff. And that's yeah, fine. Yeah. God that's a it. good point. They don't need to look backwards. 
Only yeah. forwards, ever forwards. Um, any cavern. thoughts on this whipping cavern? That's ripping. basically it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what about this you? It's so spirited. It's like the perfect closer. It's like he stretches out the lyrics. It just has such a has a vibe. I definitely noticed the lyrics being stretched out in a way that I really appreciated. Mm -hmm. That just like felt like that looseness, that comfortable aspect, that patience that we've talked about. Mm -hmm. So get some air. We'll be back in 20 minutes. Okay. <laughs> we're, That's we're covering everything. So I want to make sure we get we're the separate everything. announcement right. Important. You know, Cavern is, it's like the perfect set one closer yeah. in so many ways. Mm -hmm. Five minutes just, but Cavern is an opener sometimes. Oh man. I love Cavern. Yeah. Very fun. For a song Another, that is uh, really Johnny Be Good in their catalog. There you go. That's a great call. So we move into set two. And I want to get a little bit hyperbolic for a second, if you'll allow me. I, the I, time I, in the Brian, I, I don't know. You've never done this before. Uh, should we, <laughs> is it going to be okay? We're live, remember? We're live. I think I can do this. This set flows with the kind of precision and thematic brilliance that is not typically associated with this era and is really where we hear a break from the past. It's in line with the April 92 shows, plus some of the best stuff that we heard throughout March and April, but it feels different. Mm -hmm. If you threw this on in the car and you didn't tell your co-pilots what you were playing, I can guarantee you they would guess it's August 93 or July 1994. This set, it sounds a part of the past, but it really sounds a part of the future in a way that listening to it over the last couple of days just almost shocked me to my core. Like I, I've always known this was a great show, but to like listen to this to my core, to the listen to this in preparation to talk about it for an hour or so, I was just, I was like, I was blown away by how much significance is in this set. Um, listeners out there, if you agree please chime in and I'll take it as a win. If you disagree, please chime in and we'll, we'll, we'll banter with you. It would be great. But I think that this is one of the most important sets uh, within Fish's career. Megan, what say you? Am I right? Am I wrong? Am I somewhat right? Am I somewhat wrong? What do, what do you say? I mean, I hate to be boring, but I think it's really important. I think the things that they're doing in this set that they started to do with the stash, it's like they went backstage and were like, whatever we just did with stash, let's, do more of that. Like, let's just see where things go. And there's, I mean, to have three monster songs in a show, like Stash, Bowie, and the Mike's Group, which I guess isn't a song, but that come in and out of different songs, most of the time, pretty seamlessly. There's a couple jarring re-entries, but a lot of the segues are incredible. And to do that within this structure of a constructed set list already is, is pretty amazing. And I think definitely one of those sets where it sounds like they just don't want to leave the stage. I agree with that. I, which is obvious because I said it also. So we, we both agree. We're on the same page. Jonathan. You guys suck at fish. This is terrible. They come out. It's all <laughs> slop. They can't agree what song they're going to play. They, um, <laughs> obviously. That's definitely song. an argument that I've heard <laughs> against fish. Why are they playing this song? And now this I mean, song. It, this is. This is where the You Ate My Fractal video comes from, right? It's like, you know, they set out, we're going to play David Bowie. A minute later, they're like, well, you know, I've been teasing Jessica. Let's tease Jessica a little harder. No, no. 
Oh, I'm, obviously, this is great. I actually really like what you said, Megan, about the the idea that they went backstage at set break and they're like, "Well, we Me did too. that shit. We did with Stash. Let's open with David Bowie." Just like, or maybe they planned a little more, which is, hey, you know how you've been teasing the little Jessica thing when yeah. you were practicing, David? You, work on work that up. Let's see what we can do with it. Uh, I don't really know how to play Jessica, but you know that one bit. Well, that's enough. Uh, you know, maybe it's maybe that's how they are. I don't know. I'm so uh, curious. Wouldn't you just love to know? That would be the best. It's fucking cool, whatever it is, right? So good. That Jessica is so good. Right. And they don't really play Jessica. They just like tease it and then kind of build a little like non-Jessica jam off of the Jessica mm-hmm. tease. And and it's brief. It's like they hardly even played Bowie uh, at first. Uh, and then they're like, oh, okay, okay. Well, now we're going to play Bowie. And you get a, like a 10-minute... Bowie that rips and then suddenly they hit the they hit the halftime for have mercy. Oh, it's so good that drop in. It's so good. It's so good. And you it's can just like hear it happened. coming and then it drops oh, in. Yeah. Oh and then, so good. And then they when they, they get done with that, you could just it's like leans on the gas pedal again. It's like mm-hmm. back to finish out David Bowie. Badass. Mm-hmm. Badass version. It's a top version. I don't want to give a number of in which it's grouped, but it's up there. It's it's an important David Bowie in the canon of David Bowie's. And maybe well, it's approach- should sit and listen to it again. <laughs> <laughs> we have a list of to-dos for Fish at the end of this episode. <laughs> but we will be doing a summer 2022 wish list, so keep notes mm. on this. If nothing else... What do we hope Fish does this summer? You yes, David Bowie is basically the only thing left on my wish list since uh, since March 2009. So, um, yeah, I'm right there with you. It's it's also a tactic that hasn't really been utilized much throughout. For as great as the Spring 92 and Spring 93 tour is, we haven't heard the band really employ this idea of we're going to play a song and then we're going to go to another song, but still in this song. And then we're going to go back to this song and we're going to play it. And then we're going to find our way to another song, but it's still kind of in this song. And then we're going to work our way back and, con- and conclude. This is something that you can think of the run like an antelope from uh, Tinley Park released as uh, live fish. 07. that version uh, really employs this sort of idea. There's a ton of examples throughout August, 1993, but then as you get into June, July, 94, you think of the OJ show, you think of um, <clears throat> the Columbus show, you think of the uh, uh, 713 94 show from um, somebody help me out here. Yep, don't it's it's play like anymore. a bluegrass version of Big Black Furry Creature from Mars. They play no, Cavern, Wilson that. Cavern. Um, That's a good someone tell me what I'm thinking of because I can't I can't remember the, the venue of 71394. But those three shows that like showcase an ability for the band to just turn their songs on their head and weave. Yeah, Big, Big Birch. Thank you. We will be talking about that show soon. That mm. show. Whoo. Um, but you know, you hear the band in a lot of cases experiment within their songs and it's a tactic that's going to be utilized by a lot a lot of jam bands going forward and it's really something that fish pioneered how do we break our songs down and figure out a way to put this other song in maybe a cover song maybe a different version of our own song and basically turn a set into one long segue 
that's an unbroken song in a lot of cases. And basically, 364 days from this moment where this show's happening, they're going to be doing this through Tweezer in Dallas, Texas, in a way that is going to completely change the band going forward. So you hear a lot of like a precursor of where things are going through this David Bowie that I just love this. It's funny, but it's also you hear that experimentation that we were talking about in the stash in set one. Um, anything else we need to say about the Bowie? I feel like we could keep talking about the Bowie, but you know, I think we did it. I don't want to overdo the Bowie. Just that it's followed by one of my favorite suites that they do, which is horse silent in the morning ice. One of my most favorite things to hear fish play. And this horse is just incredible. It's so Isn't good. It extra long. It extended. Yeah. That's what I was, Thank you. I was wondering. I'm like, on the acoustic guitar, he's playing yeah. extra stuff before he really does, you know, the riff, which is what he yeah. eventually condensed the song to. Right. Um, yeah. It's pretty cool. Beautiful. It's actually my highlight of the show. Best jam of the night. No, I'm kidding, but it's nice. I was like, wow, really? No, but I like it a lot. Is that in your notes? Yeah. <laughs> I made a mental note to tell you guys that. So You don't have an envelope today? No, no half an envelope of nah, notes? No. Nah, oh. nah. <laughs> so yeah, Horse Silent, this is one of my like, well, and then we get a tie. So we get these three riff songs in a row. I remember when I first was getting into fish, I have no idea what tape this was. I was listening to it in a friend's car and they played some big jam in the second set and then ice or um, horse silent comes on. And it was just really cool to me that they had the ability to slow things down in this manner and play in a really earnest kind of heartfelt uh, type of way in the middle of the second set following these like crazy jams and horse silent is a really early example along with fast enough for you. If I could life boy of these songs that will allow you like both a breath and like a way to like kind of sit back before whatever is going to come next, but also lyrically and melodically, they just, they kind of tug on the heartstrings in a really good way. I mean, silent lyrically is so incredibly powerful and just in the imagery is incredible. I mean, it's really one of their best, I think, ballads as far as like lyrics go. It's so good. It's pretty. It's pretty. That's all. That's all I get for silent. It's, it's ice, <laughs> on the other hand, is cacophonous and intense and um really jerks the chair out from under you like why are you sitting down anyways it's well we get uh, discipline and manteca teases two of their like they've never fully covered discipline but like they've teased it throughout their career and manteca is like the endless tease in fish jams at this point in time and you get this like extended take on its ice that would be a set highlight if it weren't kind of just like lumped into this show where everything seems to be creative and we move into one of the most incredible squirming coils like squirming coil is is there with me with reba as like note for note and i will love it because like the whole point of it is that page outro in a lot of cases even though the the rest of the song the guitar solo is pretty outstanding guitar solo yeah yeah you know come on but this is like a moment that it will not become commonplace until 1997. This idea that we're going to play this song that doesn't typically jam 
and we're going to take it out into a jam because we just happen to be feeling it right now. And it happens here in a mid-set squirming coil in a way that transports you from 1993 to a different era of fish in such an incredible way. The swells in this song, like it just, it swells in this just like beautiful, sophisticated way. The playing is so intricate and then it ends in this like really bluesy riff. This is such a great version of the song. Yes, um, <laughs> it is. And I, I I just was kind of transported by the jam. I, I was really like, you know, enjoying piano and then like with, there's a band here. What are we doing? Um, I was trying not to study the set list. Obviously, I've seen it before, but I wasn't like looking at it as I listened. And I found that to be uh, very rewarding um, because when they play a show like this, you know, you could know, oh, big ball jam's coming, you know, or you could suddenly find yourself there and you're like, what the, oh, man, big ball jam, you know, I think that's a better way to arrive at something like that. And uh, I love the way they kind of took off this from this beautiful coil, gave us a little jam, a little other music uh, before they started, you know, throwing out the balls and uh getting kind of weird um i, I feel like uh fishman is basically playing like son of a mule intro drums on it though he's like just playing that to his big ball but um yeah very cool i'm personally very glad they don't play big ball jam anymore i'm sure some asshole would steal the balls so it's best for the best it's just not my thing too chaotic. I think that it's one of those songs that um, song is a loose word, but yeah. you know, it's one of those things in fish history. It, it almost serves the same purpose as the woo in the sense that it's, it's this sign of the intra communication between the band and their fans in a way right. that you don't get with a lot of other shows. And I'm going to try to pick my words nicely again. As with the big ball jam, I think other examples of intraband and audience communication have their time and place and could be moved on from. And I'll just say that. Um, I Signals, do like. Which we did not talk about are not one of them and we should bring them back. 150% wish list okay. item. Sometime. Not like but a lot. Just, yeah. Not like 1992. They should amount. happen though. Like, like it, like the at 1995 level, like every now and then, mm -hmm. you know, I want, I want 30,000 people to go, no, oh! <laughs> yeah, yeah, it shouldn't, it shouldn't have been 1999. Intro. The last time that we heard like a all fall down. Mm -hmm. I think that it was right. Philly 99, I think was the last time that there was an all wow. fall down. And it was the first time in four or five years at that point in time. And mm -hmm. so like, it felt like such a throwback. Um, I think like this squirming coil into big ball jam, it's such a fitting moment for where the band is because it is such a clear example of like, they're still not totally ready to take this improvisational aspect seriously. Like they just played this incredible jam out of squirming coil. Go ahead. Well, I, I, I just want to like temper your statement because I don't entirely disagree, but I completely disagree. Um, they they do take their improvisation seriously, but what they seem to be un 
prepared, not quite ready to do is take it out on stage as a okay, I think primary act. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, that's a good point. They, they, they're having fun with this show. They're, they're cutting loose into something that they might do. You know, they rehearse, they improvise. They, they definitely have been a band that does that for a long time. Even at this point, they just didn't do it on stage because it wasn't what fish was. That's a really good point. Yeah. I, I like the was. way you put that. And I, it, it almost feels to me like they've stumbled into this brilliant jamming out of squirming coil that nobody was totally prepared for. And so how do we get back to the show? Well, let's go into a big ball jam and we'll just come have on, a Brad. fun little party. Throw the balls yeah, out. Come on. And, and it's a great segue. It works really well because the, there's like a, cacophonous feel towards the end of this squirming coil which also hints at crossroads that's going to come here in a couple of songs but then we move into big ball jam and we're we're right back in 93 94 fish where there's a there's a sense of humor around every every turn which is something that is going to fade away come fall 94 when they suddenly say okay we can jump off the cliff and just see where things go from a jamming standpoint and we don't need to follow large balls around to jam. No. <laughs> we don't need that. We don't need that. Um, <laughs> Mike's <laughs> in the crossroads in Mike's. Um, I wrote in my notes here. So that like hyperbolic paragraph that I read at the start of the second set, That's I just great. wrote about. Bowie, Jessica Bowie, have mercy and Bowie, as well as the Mike's cross-eyed and Mike's see above. And my point, just like to reiterate, it's just, this is, we're hearing a band that sounds a part of the last two years, Mm -hmm. but also is starting to sound like what they will become over the next three months. And then over the next 18 months. Yeah. Jamming and Mike's song. That is so (laughs) 1994. I love it, especially because it's not simple. Um, and then they still play hydrogen. That's great. Great. That's so good. Mike's the vocals sound so amazing. They're really clear and strong. And this first jam is so powerful. It's got that like chewing up the scenery type vibes. Like they're just like monster sound. It's so good. The organ is like wailing. I think was this Hammond new at this point. So I think he has a new organ at this point. And I think he's just like wailing on it. And then there's, a bit of like a jarring entry back into Mike's after Crossroads, but Crossroads is so good. I mean, they only played it nine times. I did get to see it twice, though. Ooh, aren't we fancy? Wow. That's pretty badass, actually. That's very cool. Yeah, it really is. Badass. Yeah, I'm it's looking at the Crossroads stats. It's nine times. This was the debut. Mm-hmm. And then you get 190, 197 show gap before 10, 11, 95, which I've talked about on this podcast before. Please, everyone out there, do yourself a favor. Listen to ten eleven ninety five. No one's ever told you about ten eleven ninety five before me. I promise. I'm the first person to ever tell you about it, and it's an amazing show. Please go and listen to it. Uh, you get it ten twenty five ninety five. That incredible Minneapolis show with the mics in to breathe. You get it at the Fox ninety five. You get it at the Albany show in December ninety five, which has a very famous "You Enjoy Myself." You get it at Alpine ninety seven closes out set one. Philly 97, MSG 97, 12, 29, and then you get it on 11, 28, 98, and then never again. And it's a really cool, it's a great classic rock fish cover. Like, 
I don't know if they could play it as fast as they did back in the nineties, but I'd sure would love to hear them try. It's it works great. <laughs> that would be a bust out. That would be awesome. That'd be incredible. Uh, you get I am hydrogen, which has gimme some loving and rainy day women number twelve and thirty five mm. from page specifically. Page, yeah. Well, you know, there's that early bit when they're <sighs> just kind of setting the tempo yeah. before they Trey starts playing, where he's just tinkling along and just. Yeah, you can hear it. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool signals. I mean, I, I, sorry, I see the word signals there. Teases. Pretty cool. Yeah. I'm one of my favorite like moves that the Grateful Dead would make in the 1980s would be to play the wheel into Gimme Some Loving. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. It has a very slight hint of that. I mean, it's very fishy, but it has very, like, you're just like, ah, oh, could, could you imagine? But then rainy day women, number 12 and 35, I mean, kicks off top five album of my entire life. So to hear fish just hinting at blonde on blonde, era Dylan is, uh, oh, in hydrogen, no less, which is basically written as a tribute to Brian Eno. There's so much in this version of hydrogen that is like wrapped in a bow for me. I love it. <laughs> Plus Jonathan gets a hydrogen, which is, that is it. That makes a show right there. It's a must. It's got a stash, it a Bowie, up. and a hydrogen. Get about it. Of course this I like your show. show. This is your it's, show. Come on. <laughs> it's almost as though we can overlook the flub in Glide. Almost. But we can't. We can't. Nope. That one note we must, we... would have saved the entire show. The sloppy band. I'm never going to let it go. I'm just never going to let it go. Please don't. You have to have a bit to make a podcast work. This is, this is it. We got, we got all of our bits right here in one show. We're we're basically just covering this set list. Um, About my soul and how much you hate it and how much I hate. Well, the contradicting, the contradiction of me loving crossroads, but not loving my soul. I mean, like, I don't, I don't know how to explain myself, but I'm just going to do it. Just don't. Um, <laughs> <Weekapog> <laughs> Groove. Don't bother. <laughs> Groove has, I said this at the top of the show, or when we talked about Stash, it's had an incredible tour thus far, particularly late March and early April. My favorite version is 4293 from um, upstate Washington. And here it embraces a stunning fade into Amazing Grace before the latter emerges in a gorgeous jam. This is, again, this is in line with so much of what we talked about, where like they move into a jam and then we move into another song. But again, they almost can't help themselves, but find themselves in a brilliant jamming segment. Even though, as we were just talking about, like, what they're rehearsing backstage is starting to sneak out on stage and they don't a hundred percent know what to do with it. But I thought that this was just a beautiful way to close out the set, the tour. What a cool take on amazing grace here. What were your guys thoughts on this? This is why fish is a great American rock band because of this, these kinds of moments, it's just like total Americana, but then they have their own spin on it. This jam, I was totally not expecting it. I wasn't looking at the set list when I was listening to this part of the show. I wish I had done that for the rest of the show, Jonathan, because I think that's actually a really great idea when you're listening to some of these older shows you haven't listened to in a while. But I wasn't listening to it, and I just thought, oh, Amazing Grace is going to end. And then it just went into this jam, and I was like floored. Like, what is this beautiful piece of music? 
Loved it. Yeah, beautiful piece of music is actually the exact correct words <laughs> here. Um, I will also credit whoever wrote the um, the notes for this jam on fish.net uh, because I want to share those. An absolutely stunning tour closer, which packs an, the emotional punch of New Year's Eve's old Lang Syne, A Freaking Men. You know what? That's pretty what good too. What on point. Yeah. Yes, description. Very, it's, it's great. I, I love that they, you know, landed there and I love that they took it there to wrap the sh- wrap the set it's badass i almost said show but of course we have the obligatory encore um <laughs> is this the secret new bit is that jonathan doesn't like encores no no just, <laughs> just <laughs> okay, for today um <laughs> and and uh yeah it's 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 fucking great great way to close the set i just want to say we don't share notes before we go live here but megan you you couldn't have said it any better. I just want to share my notes because they, they align with what you say. Weak Pog is played underneath Trey creating a truly bizarre and historically Americana mashup. That's it. You said it. I just added to it, but you said it. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's like, not talked about enough. Like that's why I get really like, upset that we're that were that fish is not in the rock and roll hall of fame because it's actually offensive honestly this is they are so american it's just so they do so many things that reference and have developed out of great traditions of american music so i'm gonna stop with my soapbox but i'm glad you agree you're not wrong friend of the pod and noted rock and roll music critic stephen hyden once wrote that the grateful dead took 20th century american music from 1900 to 1950 and consolidated it down into a style of music all their own. And that fish picked up on that with music from basically 1965 to 1995. And I think that there's a lot to be said about that, that those two bands figured out a way to take all these disparate styles of music for the dead. It's jug bands. It's, you know, true like bluegrass folk music, jazz, um, and really just like consolidate that into something that sounds like it could have a, a song at, at both could have been written in 1915 and 1945 and 1965. And for fish, you get that with Prague, with arena rock, with, you know, this kind of weird seventies style jamming that goes along with it. Seventies, like, you know, jazz jamming. Go well, ahead. E- even their bluegrass is really like more rooted to like JD Souther than, yeah you know, the skillet liquors or whatever, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not the deep, deep person. I'm not to say they haven't listened to that stuff, but you know, it has a lot more in common with kind of the seventies new grass revival who played all of those same songs mm-hmm. uh, right. that, that those guys learned from, you know, the, the deep cuts as well. So. Which Trey talks about, you know, basically verbatim in bittersweet motel when he's, yeah. you know, talking about, the comparisons to the Grateful Dead and that like he didn't grow, grow up listening to type of music or, you know, experiencing in the moment, the type of music that Jerry Garcia did, but that he's writing based on his own experiences while also tapping into like amazing grace is an American tradition, traditional right. song. And it's rooted in American history. And to throw that in a week upon groove, this 
comment on fishnet is the 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 jam chart comment is so spot on like it, it has that feel of odd lang syne where it's warm and it feels as though like the band is tapping into the historic legacy of american music while also just like spinning it around into their own interpretation that um it's amazing it, it summarizes the tour in yep. in a way that this show did it's brilliant stuff and then they we play ACDC bag we get an ACDC bag that's dedicated to Sean. Wherever, Wherever you, you are. are. If you're in the chat, <laughs> let us know. We've we've had people in the chat uh, uh, talk to us about shows that they were at that we were not expecting. But um, this is a great show. Yeah. This is a All great, right. great there show. You go. It's a great Done. show. It's a great show. Perfect. I want to ask you guys before we go. Um what do you think, Jonathan? I want to start with you. I want to put you on the spot. What do you think was the impact of the spring 1993 tour on fish going forward? Well, it's kind of what I said at the top, right? They played a lot of shows and went to a lot of markets, got in front of a lot of faces. I think that impacted their touring for the next year or two years. So insofar as the repeat ticket sales I think that they had decided to bring the piano on tour so they could really properly get some of the sounds from the new album. And then Mm -hmm. they capitalized on it and found that Paige's broader palette gave them more opportunities. And additionally, that frequency of performing, that playing that many shows in that amount of time brought them closer together as players, Mm -hmm. as people, and, you know, justified the expansion of their organization and fueled their future plans. So, I mean, this tour was, it was a big deal for them going into it and coming out of it. And I understand, I'm sure they were excited to be, you know, getting in the bus one last time after this show and heading straight home because, you know, they did. And, they had done something and uh, as and left a mark on mm. their own history, on the music listeners, a small segment, albeit relative to this wide scale, the music listeners of this country and, um, you know, planted a flag from which they would be going forward. Meg, how about you? I mean, what else can I say? That was beautiful. <laughs> And I totally agree. It's a formative tour. You know, I think that they were really pushing towards this in 1992. And by 93, they have all these songs to choose from when they're crafting set lists. And Trey's really putting a lot of time into that. And they're thinking about composing a show. And they've got the secret language. They've got this growing and, like, really dedicated fan base. And you can see like you were saying, Jonathan, from all of their practice, they also have this increasingly growing confidence. And I think that that's something you can start to see and that you can't, you can't plan for that. It's just the only thing that comes from working this hard. So I think it is definitely important in their growth. Yeah. I think the only thing I would add, like you just, you have the freedom now to approach the summer tour the way that they're about to. Uh, intentionally or not, they're about to 
dive into a summer tour. We heard it on the dinner movie last year from Great Woods from July 1993, the biggest show that they would play to date at that point in time. And you hear it with all the official releases that have come out of August 93. Uh, 87, 814, 813, I believe, has been officially released. If not, it's just a soundboard quality, the Marat show. Uh, 816, uh, there's another couple in there, but there's a bunch from August 93 that have been officially released. And you hear within those shows, this band that is taking this tightness, taking the humor, taking the jamming and just throwing it on hyperdrive in a way that will completely change them. Sending um, it, sending it out, sending it out. Um, last question for you all before we close here today. Um, spring 1993 has a number of great releases already, including 414 and 53. What would be your wish list item for a few? Oh, 38 as well. What would be your wish list item for a fish show from this tour to be released? I mean, we have to release the Crest Theater, right? We have to release the Game Hen show from 322. Very tight, very good Game Hen show. Great show and important to have these Game Hen shows released archivally. That's my first pick. Um, can I say the great went? You can. It's not a twenty fifth anniversary is can. coming up. It's very. It's time. I should be pre ordering that right now. <laughs> We're gonna pin this for our summer night. Summer twenty twenty two. Not prepared for any other list. answers. That is the only thing I'm here to ask for. <laughs> I have another one from this tour. I have. I want the um, Eugene show from 330, 1993. Great it's show. It's a very good show. And a I, great stash. I mentioned. I, I, very might, good stash. I might say they haven't released the Gunnison, Colorado show, have they? They have not. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I like that one, but I might be the only one who wants to hear <laughs> that great gig in the sky in a proper, properly mastered soundboard. So... I had the Gunnison show and the Crest Theater show as well, but I came prepared with one more because, you know, you have to have one of your own. That's who you are, Brian. That's who I am. Uh, 4293, the Weekpod Groove I talked about from Bellingham, Washington. The whole show rules, and it's one of those shows that, like, you release it. I remember we covered the Weekpod Groove on an uh, early episode of Beyond the Pond, and even people like Scotty Bernstein were like, whoa, I've never heard this jam. And I hadn't heard this jam before we decided to cover it. And it's one of those jams. It's one of those shows from this tour that people need to see as official release. And you need to see across fish Twitter, people just gushing about spring 93 for a day. It's, it's just, it's an important thing that should happen. So next um, year after they release the great went this year, we will, <laughs> Honor your request. I would do it if 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 I had the means. I would release the Great Went for you. I just want it. you to know that. I I can't do anything about. It. I would get on it, Brian. <laughs> we have faith in you, Brian. Come on. I can do a lot of things. <laughs> you can. I've asked a lot. I've asked a lot of years for seven twenty five ninety nine to get official release. And it hasn't happened yet. So we I don't think my word means anything. Show. Here. We need the Great Went though. Um, that is going to do it for us here today. Unless fish wants to surprise release the great went and we will then spend the I'll next check hour Twitter while we do the ad reads. Um, we will be back on Wednesday 
at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, a return guest. Uh, we last spoke with good friend of the pod, Ryan Storm, back in late February, where we dove into June 2012, part one. We are going to conclude the June-July leg of 2012 with Ryan Storm on Wednesday. I cannot wait for that. Ryan is an incredible guest. We've been listening to a ton of 2012 over the last couple of weeks. So much to dive into. So much as the band started to jam. Some really great set lists as they were crossing the single songs played in a tour mark. So we'll see you back here on Wednesday, May 11th for that. Megan, do you want to tell us one more time before we leave about our friends at Sunset Lake? Sure. Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm, and they're located just outside of Burlington, Vermont, one of my favorite towns to go to. For years, Sunset Lake was a dairy farm. They produced milk for Ben and Jerry's ice cream. And in 2019, they diversified, and they started growing hemp for CBD. Sunset Lake CBD embraces Vermont's tradition for land stewardship by using sustainable and regenerative farming techniques. They build and protect healthy soils. They're 100% pesticide-free. They use minimal tillage and implement cover crops and crop rotations. They also serve as a research farm for the University of Vermont's agronomists to study hemp and inform best industry practices. Jonathan just got a recent order. I'm going to be ordering some more tonight because I'm out of my gummies and they've really really impacted the way that I sleep in a really positive way. I just find that I fall asleep easier and I sleep longer and I don't wake up as much in the middle of the night. So I would highly recommend that you check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the coupon code HFPOD. You get 20% off all your products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer owned, Vermont grown. We are also sponsored by Cash or Trade, which is the only secondary ticketing marketplace where fans buy, sell, and trade tickets at face value. Such an incredible concept. Fans are able to DM each other before, during, and after a transaction. You can rate and review each other when a transaction is completed. There are no added fees to sell your tickets, and all sales are fully protected by Cash or Trade's trader protection policy, which guarantees your money back. Users can avoid purchase fees with a gold membership subscription. Please visit cashertrade.org to learn more as well as to use their services. And with that, we will close out here today. Thank you all. Jonathan, there was no great went announcement in the meantime. No, I, I didn't no. see it. Um, but mm. you know, they could they feel free to announce it tomorrow. We'd be fine. I would still pre-order it. I would too. Also, the next yeah, day would also be fine, but not as fine, and so forth. We probably don't want to compete with the pod coming out tonight. So that's a fair point. I, I, I just that's it. that simple into the odd couple jam. I just want that in. Like, I want to drop a needle and just. I, I see. Oh. I don't even need it on vinyl. I just want a proper. Like, I want. A, I. I want it. I want it. I, <laughs> I want the went gin on vinyl actually uh, just give me that press just over. one you know just press that and over and over again yeah okay <laughs> i'll stop well until fish decides to release the great went in official soundboard quality we will continue our watch by the wall that is the world without a great went official release <laughs> And we will see you all on Wednesday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern to talk the end 
of Leg One Summer 2012. And just a quick preview. Fishman tucks thrice, and it's only leg one. Thrice. Lots of tucking. tucking. We'll see you all then. (laughs) Have a good one. Bye, everyone. time inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply Yes, welcome everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!